0: Hello and welcome to the WooCast episode number 42 with Rodrigo Garcia-Plata. My name is Mackie.
1: And I'm Juliette.
0: I'm here to explore all things weird, weird and, and
1: woo-woo. woo-woo. Woo-woo! How's everyone doing out there? Can I get a Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> no. I feel like
0: I need to dance in my chair. We don't right get here. any
1: feedback here when we just, you know, we're just recording we're just in our talking office. Into
0: the void.
1: <laughs> yes, but I know you all are out there because we've been getting a lot of awesome feedback and messages from people lately. So that makes yeah. me so happy. Hey, everybody. Hello, we're here. You're here, and we're all into all the things that we've been talking about. And speaking of all the things, Mackie and I just got back from a long weekend conference. Here in Boulder, at the Gaia Sphere, if any of you watch Gaia, the network, it has a ton of shows and movies, and it's all about mysticism, spirituality, all the woo-woo, like all the, Ancient things we, civilizations. Yes, all the things we talk about on this podcast. There is a dedicated network for it, like the Netflix of that. And we happen to live so close to it since we moved here, which we didn't even know and that we lived that close to it. We were already subscribers and watching all the shows. So it was really cool to find out that we can go and actually go to live events. And this is sort of like fate. But the other day, I was just in a coffee shop and i overheard this girl shout out to teresa if you're listening what up girl and i just overheard of my ear like just uh just barely faint of oh i'm gonna go to this thing it's all about higher levels of consciousness and quantum physics and yeah, this guy like Bruce Lipton is doing this whole weekend, and I was like, Bruce Lipton. Wait a minute, my biology
0: ears, of belief.
1: Yeah, my ears just perked up because I that book. Like Mackie and I had had that book. I don't even do we still have it. I don't know, but the biology of belief has been a book that we probably got about ten years ago, and this man is a scientist and a pioneer. Uh, cell biologist. Yeah, cell biologist, pioneer of basically what. Really, our evolution is, and we don't want to go into too much detail, but just a little. um We'll give you a little bit of a taste. Don't worry,
0: there's going to be a full episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're gonna do a full episode on this. Is Darwinian theory is bullshit? <laughs> it's complete bullshit. Survival of the fittest, all the shit that we have been programmed to, and we have learned, and that this dog eat dog world that we've Competition. been in—it's not real. And there's actual scientific research and evidence that have been around for a a while now. It's just taking a little while to catch up. And, you know, fun fact, your textbooks are literally like 10 years outdated, most of them. So this stuff takes time to get, you know, into academia, but it's getting there. And there is science that really can explain how we are spiritual beings.
0: Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about on this, on this podcast, we saw proof of in, you know, with scientific studies and, you know, scientific research this weekend.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's really cool. And it's like, it's one thing to experience it in your life and still have question marks around. Like I'm feeling the magic. I believe in magic, but you know, we live in this material world where science is something that really feels anchoring to understand like the, why, why is this magic working? How is this magic working? And so We're going to give you guys a show and a rundown of all of that. But today's episode is so awesome. And it is, like Mackie said, with Rodrigo Garcia Platas. I have been a fan of his. I've been following him ever since I heard him on Shaman Durek's podcast, which is an amazing podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes so you can check out Shaman Durek. I also am reading his book called Spirit Hacking. Great book. And Rodrigo, he is... Basically, a mind architect, as many of us coaches are, but he's been a coach for many, many years. And one of the things that he has studied extensively and supports people with is Unani biotypes. So, Unani biotypes are an ancient method of identification and categorization of the different types of humans. They categorize them in four different types, and this has been used for a very long time to treat physical and mental imbalances by doctors and healers throughout history. And the information has long been shared among the Islamic medicine community and then made its way over to India and now it's making its way into the western world and into our language. So we're really excited to chat with Rodrigo and have him explain his research and, you know, the theories that he has. He does a lot of cold readings on people. He can basically map people like just by Looking at their facial shape, looking at their hands, just getting a little bit of a taste into your life. And he can, within mere moments, not even with getting a taste in your life, with mere moments, he can tell you what type you are out of these four types, which are choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholic. And if those are all words that you're like, what in the world? They were all weird words to me and new to me. And then when I started looking into this, it was just phenomenal. So he talks about how human beings are 70% biology and 30% personality. And you will find out where that research comes from and what this all means, depending on what type you are. I'm not going to give it all away, but he definitely did a cold reading on Mackie and I, and he was spot on, man. He was spot on about our relationship and how we interact with each other and what problems could arise because of our different, Personalities and types, and how we can live in harmony together. So, definitely stick around, listen to this episode. Can't wait to hear what you think. And if you are a coach out there or someone just wants more info on this, he runs workshops all the time to give people more insight and into being able to uh, work with others and just, or just have a better understanding of the people around you in your life so that you can, again, work in harmony with each other. So, enjoy this episode and don't forget to rate. And review the WooCast. We are up in ratings and reviews. Thank you. It really helps to get this show out there. Knowledge is power, and this is a ripple effect. So when you share things like this that you resonate with, someone else—you never know who—is going to see it, is going to also watch or you know listen to something that you share. And that ripple effect is how we change our world. I always have to remind myself of that because I kind of like, oh, I'm keeping something to myself, and it's like, well if you want to make a bigger impact in the world, then you should probably just share. Sharing is caring. So guys, thank you so much for supporting this show. And without further ado, here is our episode, The Ancient Method of Identification. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so
0: much for joining us.
1: Um, We can get right into things since I know time is of the essence. Of the essence. Yeah. And uh, first of all, I was so attracted to your energy and we hit record already. So we're going to get like literally just boom, let's go. So attracted to your energy, seeing you. Well, first listening to you on Shaman Durek's podcast, talk about Unani biotypes. And I have been fascinated by typology for many years as a nutritionist that's what my foundation how i started so learning to help people how to eat and exercise for their type because you know not everything works the same for everyone everyone's very unique and different so uh and then i actually had never heard of unani biotypes i was like ooh, like my ears perked up i was like i gotta (laughs) listen to this episode and then i started following you on instagram and just you know totally stock these Instagram lives that you do, where you blow everybody's mind and tell them their whole life story and what they need to do and work on. So I'm so excited that you're fun, here. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I, I want these skills. These are some good skills. Um, I actually
2: teach them. It's pretty I know. Pretty cool.
1: I know. I was like happy to have you on and just chat all the things. Um, okay. Definitely go a couple ways on this episode, because I, I feel like you do so much of, you know, talking about this. So if there's any sort of thing that's like hot topic on your mind in relation to the biotypes, we can go that route. I know relationships is something that you focus a lot on, um, which I think our listeners could be very interested in hearing about that. And I wrote some questions down myself. Um, And just so you know, he and I have no idea what we are. So, you know... (laughs) we have some ideas. In a few I know. I was trying to figure <laughs> out. I'm like, we've been married, and this is so really interesting because you do a lot of like couples and stuff. So, um, excited to We can to hear. start
2: talking about biotypes first for, for like people to know yep. what we mean by that. And then we can talk about relationships because people rarely ask, ask me about relationships, but it's actually one of my areas of expertise. And uh, my first book is coming out in the next few months, which is about biotypes, of course. And my second book, which I'm already started on, uh, is actually about the technique that I developed in order to support marriages and relationships understanding each other because we make it so complex and it doesn't have to be
1: Mm. yeah no i love it let's go right into talking about the different biotypes and then i you know we're reading each other's minds because i wrote all like relationship questions so that must be what i wanted to talk about
2: (laughs) (laughs) my partner would say that the stars are aligning
1: there you go (laughs) she's
2: really into that nice um so uh, the, the way I got into this is um, I started as a transformational coach really early on, um, and I was like 22 when when I started doing solo trainings uh, In us. They're called transformational trainings, but it's a specific technology that was created in the 60s that's now all over the world. And. Um, and it's pretty powerful for people that have no pathologies, no problems, no mental conditions. Uh, like if you're just a regular human being who really doesn't need therapy, but uh, you just want to create things that haven't been available for you. And I know that everybody promises this, but like this actually works. It's like they've been doing it for a really long time. There's there's amazing and fascinating things out there, but there's so much noise that sometimes it's really hard to discriminate and realize what's actually based on on a either scientific foundation or just has enough data as to as to not need to be something that you need to have faith in like you know it works you can see it work and I fell in love with it. I was I was really young to to be doing that, but but because of my own trauma and my own belief system, it was obvious that I was going to end in a role like that at some point. But most of the people that I worked with were way older than me and because we like handle groups of 200, 300 people, I was always looking for a new technique or a new thing that would allow me to read people faster, to not not need those 15 minutes of questions with the first person that raises their hand and have 299 people just waiting uh, for me to figure out who this human being is and how to support them. Um, Honestly, first I started like battling with coaching a little bit because I find it fascinating. I feel like it really does work. Uh, but it has certain blind spots and most people don't really distinguish the difference of what a coach is and what a therapist is. Mm -hmm. And we're different Uh, on both. Uh, And I can see the value on on both sides and I can see why they hate each other so much because usually (laughs) coaches don't like therapists and usually therapists, psychologists don't really like coaches, but we're just meant for different things. And and I feel like the mixture of, of both is probably the best we can offer. So um, the for people to be clear on this, um, if your life works, uh, and what I mean by that is maybe you have a little bit of anxiety, but you can still show up to work. And maybe sometimes you you feel a little bit depressed, but you still have relationships at work that make you get off your ass and, and go out in the world and just enjoy your time with them. Then look for a coach. Like, it doesn't sound like you need a therapist. Like coaches are there for people that have a functioning life and want to achieve things that were impossible for them before. And the, we call them coaches, because it's like learning a uh, learning a new sport, and for example, if I, I was a soccer player for a while and a track and field runner for a while, and the coach could see things that I couldn't like being in the in the court in the field uh, like you you can't really see everything they have a vision and knowledge and experience that could really support you and sometimes they tell you run that way as fast as you can and you're like why i don't even want to go there and your coach tells you like trust me just run run in that direction and you'll see what happens and i'm thinking of a specific soccer example but one of my coaches when when i was um, at a competitive level playing soccer kept telling me, like, just run in that direction as fast as you can when you see that guy with the ball. And I was like, why? (laughs) And he was just run. And I started running one time and I was in perfect positioning for the other player to send the pass because now I was in the right area of the field, which is something I couldn't notice. But my coach knew. And being with a coach feels like that. Being with a life coach, it feels like that. Like they can just see certain things from the outside because of their experience that that You can't see from within. Uh, Even when we're brilliant at noticing things in others, most of us are extremely blind when it has to do with self-diagnosing and not knowing what's wrong with us. Now, if you're at a point in your life where your emotions are getting in the way and you can't get out of bed, your relationships don't seem to have the weight to to get you out of bed and to allow you to carry on working and going for your dreams. If if you have an emotional impediment and and you don't know why, then go to a therapist. That's a completely different thing. Uh, like if your life is not on track as to just keep on moving because your emotions are getting the best of you, then you need therapy. But then as a coach, I realized that I needed some of those tools like coaching has certain blind spots. And I was like, I really want to know this. So, um, Even when most of my teachers didn't want me to, I went into psychology. Uh, But then when I started psychology, I I started realizing that psychology has a few blind spots too. And I could realize that because of my background in coaching. Like there were so many things that we could fix right away in coaching. And in therapy seemed extremely complex. Mm. And at the same time, there's one thing that I really, really don't like about therapy. And that's why I do what I do honestly, which is Uh, Would you trust a mechanic that tells you, uh, yeah, sure, I'll fix your car, just... come twice a week for the next three years, I'll ask you questions. I'll never really tell you what's wrong with your car, but I'll ask you questions until you realize what's wrong with your car and you fix it. And meanwhile, please pay me for the rest of this decade. Uh, like, you would never take your car to a mechanic that tells you something like that. Why would you take your brain to someone that tells you something like that? I also see the value of the process and and I, I know what Lacan thought about psychoanalysis and how 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 much we're not supposed to be involved with, with patients and people that are growing. But I started as a coach, so I actually care about people and I get a little bit involved with them. And and I like they're mind blown because I've trained over a hundred thousand people in my life and people get mind blown because I remember them and I remember their stories. And when people walk up to me, sometimes I'm in an airport and they go like, oh my God, you, like you trained me in this and you taught me this and you taught me that. And I'm like, that's amazing. I don't remember your name, but how's your daughter and is your wife okay now? and they I go like, how do you remember that? And I go, maybe I don't remember your name, but I remember the experience. Like I remember the connection with you and, and what you felt. So that, that's kind of in branded. Uh, but because we could fix things through coaching in really passionate, powerful ways and therapy doesn't really do that. I was trying to create like this mixture of both. So I was working on that. When I finally found Unani biotypes, I studied so many things before that. I even went into astrology a little bit. Like if this is going to give me an edge, then whatever. It's uh, like funny I, I, you I bring that up because
1: I wrote down like, okay, there are, there, in Ayurveda, you know, because I studied through nutrition, learning about the Ayurvedic medicine and there's doshas, right? You have the vata, the pitta, the kapha. You have uh, in Western culture in the bodybuilding community, mesomorph, endomorph, ectomorph. You have which is the exact same thing, <laughs> <right>? just translated. <laughs> yeah, Myers-Briggs, right? That's just person. That's based on personality. You have the Enneagram, which, oh my God, don't get me started. I tried to to read all those books, and I was like, mm, no. So, now when something's just not for you as a coach, I'm like, I just, I'm trying, but this is just a little bit too. It, it doesn't have to be this complicated, is how I felt about that. Um. and then you have astrology of human design you have gene keys i mean and this is what you're saying in the beginning it is it gets very confusing for people and so what about unani biotypes was where you were like oh the light bulb is going off this seems like i can really work with this versus some of these other things
2: i think it has to do with a couple of things and and again i'm extremely thankful to coaching about this um there's so much information out there, and most people are pointing in the same direction. Most people are trying to find a theory to solve the exact same problems and explain the exact same things. And until you master one of them, I don't recommend people going into anything else. Like when people ask me about everything I've done, I usually tell them I wasn't coaching for years first. Like I became a master coach way before I, I wanted to take a little like dip, uh, dipping my toe into psychology, because if you're if you haven't mastered one of the techniques or, or the informations, you just don't have enough of the meanings and codes in your head in order to translate it and realize the other thing that you're trying to learn now. I really believe that that the gift is integration. When you master something and you bring something else to the table, then you can find the things that are relevant to what you already know, integrate them and present them in a way that actually solves things for people. But most people in this fast moving world that we're in, uh, don't really dedicate the time to actually become masterful in one thing before they want to jump to the next one. And it's not about acquiring more things; it's about becoming amazing at one. That that's why we're just packed today with gurus that that have an ocean of knowledge with an inch of depth. Mm. Like they know a little bit about everything, but they can't really answer the questions. And. I I feel like the gift was first going into coaching and really getting it, then actually studying psychology. And, and once I had that foundation like firm on the ground for me, then, then I started looking again for cold read techniques like i i knew how to work with people but i wanted to diagnose them faster to know what was happening with them faster first i went into systemic psychology my master's degree is actually in systemic psychology which is mind-blowing like we could talk about that for days um and i can't believe that more people don't even know that this exists it's the understanding of human beings as part of a system Mm -hmm. instead of individuals and knowing the like how the symptoms look if you're in a certain type of system and how like this is unfixable just talking about your life until you realize that you're part of something bigger, larger, and way more complex than you. And many of the reactions and things that you do are actually to balance the whole system, not only for yourself. And until you see that, it just feels extremely frustrating to not realize why you would choose this path, why you would choose this type of relationships. But then one day I found Unani biotypes. And I, I had gone through Enneagrammat too, I had gone through semiologia, I had like Myers Briggs, I like I used the disk study of personality for a long time. I went into data analytics, like I had to use computers to realize if if actually my philosophy was true. I worked with a university in Mexico, Tecno Monterrey, to, to realize if, if we were accurate about our predictions with people. Um, but like nothing was so intuitively accurate. As Unani biotypes, so uh, to, to make to make this short, Unani biotypes started as the classification of the Greeks. When we talk about Greek Arab temperament, we're actually talking about the birth of Unani biotypes. The Greeks were the first ones who started observing people and realizing that people that act a certain way uh, look very similar, and. And they have the same health problems and they, they, they have the same types of relationships and they're interested in the same sort of thing. Um, and I first started noticing in, noticing it in cognitive dissonance because I was actually a child actor. I was on the Mickey Mouse Club, Mexico, when I was a kid. Nice. <laughs> it's not something I talk about a lot. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I love you, can still find, you can still find videos of 11 year old Rodrigo running around the parks on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure that has something th- to
1: do with what your biotype is. Very Very charismatic. 100%. The performer. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I don't. Co- I don't come from a family in show business, and my parents just took me to that casting because they were like, "Oh, you get to experience this, just for you to know what this is." And boom, I got casted, and and they did not like the idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like every man in my family is an engineer, so <laughs> it was like this is not okay. Uh, but it was a really cool experience. But that kind of opened my mind into uh, how show business casts people and why that makes sense. Mm. And it all started by, I had a lot of actors that, that, that I was coaching at, at some point, And they always took it extremely personally when they weren't casted in something. Uh, like it meant something about them. And I was like, no, 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 like it has nothing to do with you like that only applies if you're such a star that they're willing to bend the rules of ego and nature to present you as someone that acts in that way. But that's actually something extremely uncomfortable for the audience, because the audience has their own data analytics process happening in their brain in which they know how people look like when they act a certain way. Maybe they can't articulate it. Maybe they can't explain it. But we start saying things like, I don't like their vibe. I can't. Rest with them. Something doesn't seem authentic. We need to create all this jargon to to justify the fact that you don't look the way you're acting. And something tells me that you're not being authentic. This is why some people can get away with murder and others can't. Like some people can swear in between every couple of words and they don't get in trouble and people like them. And some people say one swear word and they get fired and everybody hates them and they're the villain. It, it actually has to do with your biotype. It has to do with your, your biological structure and, and what people expect from your biological structure. We get ready to who people are just by looking at them. So, it, like, I already have this little worm going around in my head. Like, there has to be a pattern. And, like, someone must have studied this at some point. Uh, so, I had that, like, in my back burner. Like, I'll need to go into that at some point. Uh, But then it all made sense when I met a doctor that had just arrived from India and Mexico and people in my life knew that I was always looking for this. And it was my my dad's assistant who came up to me and said, I just met this doctor that's going to blow your mind. And he was charging. I am not kidding. He was charging seven dollars for a consultation (laughs) in in a tiny office, uh, like a few blocks away from my house, right by a subway station. Wow! Uh, It was crazy. And we became amazing friends. But I remember that I, I booked a consultation. And I you were like, in. put
1: two zeros on that from now
2: on. <laughs> I was literally like, are these like Bitcoins? <laughs> Am I supposed to be seven Bitcoins? Like, this makes no sense. And I, as soon as I opened the door of the, of the office, the guy, his eyes became huge. And he was like, oh, my God, a sanguine in Mexico. And I was like, OK, you need to explain what the hell that means. And I just sat down and for a half hour, he read my life. Like pretty much what I do in my Instagram lives today, but but like one on one for a half hour,
1: and not just by looking at you. Did he have some questions he asked you? No, he just looking at your body.
2: Literally, just looking at me. It's not feeling energy. Is there
1: is there any of this where you're feeling an energy from someone? It really is just scanning their physicality with their face, their hands, their body.
2: What a fascinating question. Uh, it's actually a little bit of both. So like scientifically, it's just looking at bodies. But if I, I I certify coaches in this. And what I tell them is, if you really want to be masterful in this, and you're going to be confused because they're used to listening to me telling them all like medical, psychological, and scientific things. And then I tell them, if you really want to be masterful at this, you actually need to be able to pinpoint people's energy because it's not about just the body, like I took this to a new level when I brought, uh, like all the coaching psychology, systemic psychology that, that, that I put together with it. We can talk about that a little bit in a minute, but, um, what, what really makes a difference is noticing what happens in you when you, like, once you know, all the biotypes and all the personalities and all the combinations that exist, then you can start paying attention to what their energy causes on you. And that's why I can diagnose people right away on Instagram, because I'm not really paying attention only to their face and their hands. I am, but I'm just really buying time to feel how it feels to connect with them. And then I know how I react towards every specific biotype and personality to a point where um, I was on national radio for a year in Mexico on on XIFMA um, every Monday morning. And I would diagnose people on the phone. Uh, Like they would call the radio station, and and just listening to them and feeling a little bit of how it felt connecting to them, I was like, "And your fingers look like this, and you're always sick of this type of things, and you really need to lose weight, don't you?" And and they would go like, "Oh my God, is there a camera in my house? Like, (laughs) is someone setting me up? Is this a joke?" And it's it's kind of magic, but I think this is true about everything. I, I believe it's what we call intuition, and even like doctors do it sometimes sometimes the numbers just don't add up and, and the doctor just feels kind of the energy follows their intuition. That's actually why I'm still alive. I, I shouldn't be alive if it wasn't for doctors that follow their intuition. Um, we, we can go into that later if you want, but um, biotypes gave me that edge that allowed me to go straight into business when I was like working with people. And I'm, we even consult for like governments. And I had a session with someone from, from one of the cities that we're working with. And 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 he said, I'm only here because they told me that you're a fast therapist that reads people really fast and diagnoses them extremely fast. So tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> and the guy was like kind of testing me to, to see if he was going to stay on the call or not. And and then I just saw him and I was like, Well, let's talk about your gastritis first. And the guy was like, Okay. And he just sat down. I know statistically that people with that biotype, 80% of them have gastritis. Mm. So I was using my intuition to feel this energy and then using the knowledge of the biotypes to go like, I know that this is what's happening with you. But going back to the story, the Greeks were the first ones who started paying attention to this and created the theory of the temperaments. This is actually where the words come from, like choleric, phlegmatic, sanguine, and melancholic. Those four chords were created by, by, by the Greeks and they were borrowed by many other techniques and philosophies, but because we kind of stopped paying attention to to ancient knowledge and all the information that we had gathered for thousands of years when we fell in love with science. Um, We kind of wanted to use biotypes as new personalities and they're not personalities. Uh, Then Islamic medicine actually took that information to a medical level. And then the invasions from the Middle East into Western India, uh, brought Unani biotypes there. When I learned Unani biotypes, this, this is how I figured out all this stuff. When I first learned Unani biotypes, they told me that in Urdu, because the only way to learn this is going to India, being sponsored by an Urdu family, learning Urdu and then studying it. I didn't do all of that. I found, I found teachers that had already done that and then brought the information to the Western world, thank God. Uh, but um, they taught me that in Urdu, Unani means foreign. So it's a foreign medicine. It came from somewhere we have no idea. And thousands of years have passed. So it's it's hard to pinpoint how how the whole history of this, this knowledge went, went through. And but then when I when I knew about Islamic medicine, because I met some Islamic doctors that were doing research about biotypes, they just didn't call them biotypes. Uh and then I told them, well, isn't this unani biotypes? And they told me, Oh, yes, this is unani. We don't know about biotypes, but it is unani. And I was like, but what's unani? And then I figured out that in Arab, Unani means Greek. Got mm. it. Yeah. And that's how the information flowed into India.
1: I have a couple burning questions that are coming through. Okay. In terms of our evolution over the thousands of years, have things, are things beginning to change with these biotypes because we as species have evolved and changed or not so much? It's still, there are these four types and that's that. Or are there like offshoots of the types, you know, a little bit of this, you're a little bit of that, or is that how it works already? You're not just one, you are, can you be a combination?
2: Uh, yes and no. So the the short answer is no, you're one biotype and that's it. Okay. But um, what I have noticed is if, if anyone who's listening remembers their biology classes, um, Remember the experiments they told us about, well, we went to different school systems, so I don't know if, 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 if I can talk so generally, but when you, take, when you take a green pea and a yellow pea and you put those plants together, and doing it is actually the simplest thing in the world. I was just teaching this to my students the other day, and a few of them knew about this, but a few of them were mind blown. I was telling them, yellow apples are actually not natural, most of them. Uh, we even call them perón. in in spanish not manzana because they're actually half pear half apple and this is not genetic tempering or anything like that this was literally farmers taking a branch of a pear and a branch of an apple and putting them together and planting them on the ground and if we do that experiment with peas and you take a green pea and a yellow pea uh, and, and put, put the plants together, the offspring of that plant will become something between yellow and green, like some sort of hybrid, mm-hmm. but nature is so freaking wise that just one generation after that, the colors reconsolidate and, mm. and you get green and yellow from the same freaking plant. Mm. Uh, like they, they just reconsolidate again and they never mix again, unless you try the whole putting two branches together thing. And I believe that human beings are the same. So we do have this like small percentage of hybrids. Uh, I'll I'll explain that in a minute, but they reconsolidate the next generation and you can only have a small percentage of your neighboring biotypes. So the diagram is a circle. And just imagine that cholerics are at 12 o'clock. sanguines are at three o'clock phlegmatics are at six o'clock and melancholics are at uh, nine o'clock. And, and then what happens is, we share certain things through our axis. So n- new new research has proved that, for example, sanguines and melancholics that are absolute opposites. So if you're a sanguine, your neighboring biotypes are phlegmatics to the bottom and cholerics to the top. Uh, but melancholic is your absolute opposite. You cannot have any melancholic in you. You can only have a little bit of your neighboring biotypes in the perimeter of this diagram that I just described. Uh, but what we actually realized is that. People seem to like come from this axis and and separate at some time at some point uh, as they as they go through the gestation process inside their mother's womb, and that's why as a sanguine I cannot have any of melancholic in me because I'm actually physically similar to melancholics in certain like proportions even though we're, we look completely different by now uh, but in the proportions like shapes and proportions are kept in the axis cholerics and phlegmatics share them and sanguins and melancholic share them we still don't know when this happens between cholerics and phlegmatics but we know by now that with sanguins and melancholics the heart is formed the stomach and the brain are formed and then we think it's a protein or a hormone. We're, we're still researching that. We're actually gathering funds because now, now that we got a few of the most important universities in the U.S. And interested in this, we're gathering funds for the new studies that we're building. So if anyone listening wants to become a sponsor of this, <laughs> please let us know. Email us at info at RGP development, and we will love you for life. Uh, because well, we, we might got, have
1: a lot of people at up- from Penn listening, so hello,
2: (laughs) Penn (laughs) University, let's go. Like we already have like really important universities looking at the endocrine system and how this affects the endocrine system, uh, mapping out the brain because they believe the brain might be completely different because of how differently we function because mm. we really do. We seem to be different species. It's, it's mind blowing. Mm. And, and, and then we have like the genetic department of one of the most important universities in the world also interested in this. And that's what we're gathering the funds for. But um,
1: how do you so see? Sanguine. Oh. Yeah. Okay. How do you see the soul interacting with this? You know, like in the way of, you know, this is the woo cast. So we have a lot of, we tend to have a lot of spiritual teachers and shamans come on and talk about the soul purpose and the soul contract and kind of choosing your body and choosing your, you know, your experience. I'm just curious, is there any spirituality with this or is this very much just about, Like the biology and the personality
2: it depends on who i'm talking to okay honestly i've 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 like done my job on both sides that Mm -hmm. that's why i that's why i consider shaman Durek a really close friend of mine (laughs) we we only met a few months ago but we're extremely close i I just visited him like a few weeks ago in la and it's it's really interesting because he he says that i'm the bridge like he says that I'm the bridge mm. between like spirituality. And I tell him, well, I'm half of the bridge and you're the only, the other half of the bridge because you actually understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating. The way I explain it is like this. Um, I, I won't go into how we choose where we come and yeah. like. I've done some, some research into that. If people are fascinated by that and they, they wanted to, to see like a scientific point of view, just go read Many Lives, Many in Masters by, by Dr. Weiss, like a psychiatrist actually explaining her soul. Uh, so sciences are catching up. But the way I explain this to people is learning about biotypes is understanding the vessel that your soul is in. So we, we're, we all have this physical experience of of being a mystical being and a spiritual being in the world but our our vehicle is different and and because our vehicles are different we're creating all this conflict and lack of compassion and freedom and understanding who we are and who other people are because we we seem to have done our homework of we, we've seem to have educated ourselves spiritually the, of the wrong way and, and let me explain what i mean because of how we block the foundations of of human mysticism and spirituality then all we have is like the phd of it like people that actually get it right now are the people that get the final stages of it but we're trying to deny all the progress and understanding of who we are as souls and then what happened with that is that people want to use mysticism without under it's it's like going to college and never having done middle school and and then like the very basics of, of certain things have been completely vanished from human history and only very specific people have access to them and i've been working with shamans for years now and and like uh, don Lauro was my first shaman and he was a person picked by um by tibetan Tib- uh, tibetan monks in mexico to become the guy in charge of the world chakra on this side of the world and as a psychologist going with that type of shaman it was like you are you're crazy and i was like i promise you he has an important percentage of the answer that you're looking for um so i feel like we all want to connect as souls because that's the phd of love that's the phd of human beings like we're all the same we're all connected this physical separation is just that it's an illusion and it's a physical separation but we're way more than this and then we try to completely deny um the fact that we are in a vessel that functions in a, in a certain way. So, the easiest way to understand this is yeah, we're all souls and we're all the same. We come from the same, we will become the same. I honestly believe that. But I'm driving a, a, an SUV, you're driving a convertible, and, and someone else is driving a truck. Yeah, we're we're all the exact same thing. We're all in the exact same world, but we're all experiencing the world from completely different mm. places. The machine that we're experiencing life through is really good at certain things, is really bad at certain things, focuses on specific things and and needs certain specific elements in order to function. And trying to 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 make a connection between someone who's a fan of Teslas and someone who's a fan of, mon- of monster trucks feels exactly like what happens when, when you put someone who is uh, like a uh, baseline melancholic and analyzing melancholic and try to make them relate to a promoting sanguine. They, they're, they're the same. They come from the same, their inner being, their soul is the same, but their vehicles are so different that they seem to be from different worlds. And then they're going to start fighting each other because they're both trying to pretend that one of them is not in inside a monster truck. And the other one is not inside an EV. That's the problem. We're, we're getting confused In the stupidest way mm-hmm. Like we get it about How profound we are As as, as, as a species uh, But we don't get it About this nuances of, of of the vehicle That we are in In the world And what our superpower is Because we do have A superpower Through our 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 vehicle And our body type, But not knowing that Makes us compare ourselves With other people Judge ourselves And feel like What we're experiencing Is because the world Is doing this to me And welcome to The type of world That we live in today We're being the smartest victim in the room usually makes you the coolest person.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about as you're talking about this, you you talk about, you know, people having this have, do and be mindset, right? That they have to be a certain way. They have to do certain things they have to attain. And we live in a very materialistic world and we're being advertised and subconsciously programmed all day long to think that we have to do it a certain way in order to have success and to thrive the end of the day, you know, most people that come to me for coaching, they're like, I want to know my purpose. I want to live my purpose. I want to be happy. I want to, you know, thrive. I want to be able to accomplish my dreams. Oftentimes their dreams start one way and then end up looking completely different, other different way because they don't even really know what are their dreams because their dreams are so programmed by the society that they're living in and what's been indoctrinated into them. So it's like a lot of undoing in a way
2: it's true but that's only a percentage of it Mm -hmm. oh we're gonna go deep now Mm. (laughs) Uh, we need to go into back into bio at some point because i can talk about this topic in particular for hours so um, i don't know if you want to call this um, the dark forces behind everything or the
1: matrix (laughs) yeah
2: exactly like The cabal, however you want to call it. There is a little truth in conspiracy theories. The problem is they're always hijacked and taken into a weird place. So the way I explain it is this. You're right. Uh, Like advertising and marketing know how we work and know that we think have to be. In order to be the human being that I want to do, I need to have certain things so that I can do certain things. And then I will finally be the type of human being that I want to be. Advertising works like that and marketing works like that. But that wasn't a system created in order to like harm us. That was a system created because we we already worked like that before advertising and marketing existed. Because not only is the TV and everything in society telling you this, your parents are telling you this. We tell this to our children without realizing it. Because not only is it the ad, like let's tackle it really fast. When you watch an ad of a car, you don't know anything about the car. They don't actually tell you anything about the car. They tell you who you would be and the things you could do if you had. But the, the reason that works is because you already think like that. And how that started is with us telling our children stupid things when they come up to us and ask us, ask us like, um, what's the secret of life? Uh, mom, what, who do I need to become in order to be happy? Like, what's the secret of happiness in life? And trying to be supportive and loving them, we usually tell them everything they need to do and have in order to be happy. It's us. The problem is us. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as my kid asks me, uh, what's the secret of life? My tendency will be to start telling him, well, you need to do this and make sure that you study and, and find the right crowd of people and find a purpose and realize who you really are. And money is not the most important thing, but hey, you need it. So Find a job and hopefully you'll love it. And I'm trying to do my best, but I'm actually telling him who what he needs to have and do. Like I need a degree, I need a job, I need money, I need people loving me and I need attention and I need to be pretty and I need to be skinny and I need to be healthy and I need to be woke and I need all these things. And then I will finally be the type of human being that I want to be. And all we're creating with this is more patience for me. Uh, because Mm -hmm. this is how you trigger a midlife crisis. We even have a quarter life
1: crisis. I feel like all the 25 year olds now are are having this. Now (laughs) it's happening
2: earlier. I totally agree with that. We're we're, we're moving it sooner. Now we're going to start having children with anxiety, well, we already do like children with anxiety, anxiety issues. But I feel like the big problem with it is we all go into this rat race uh, thinking that, if I ever have enough and do enough, I will finally be happy. And usually people notice before it was in their late 50s. Now it's starting to happen in mid 40s, which is that point in life. And we have a term for it in every language. In Spanish, we say the crisis de la edad madura. In, in English, you say middle age crisis. And what we mean is that point in life in which you already did and have everything you were supposed to have and do. And you're still not happy. And you're still expecting that happiness. And the problem is that when we want to fix it, we don't want to change the 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 OS. We don't want to change the operating system. So what most people do is think, I guess I missed a step. There must be something that I haven't done or or that I don't have yet, because I would be happy. And that's why people get divorces and get surgeries. And maybe if I become Vorexic and become a marathon runner at 50, I will. Finally, be happy. Maybe if I get that convertible, maybe, maybe if I'm hotter, maybe if I get a divorce and change partners, maybe if I study a new profession, maybe if I find a new path, thinking that there they must be missing something to do or have in order to be happy. and that that is a huge problem
1: mm-hmm. And then, when you get to a place that I'm in currently, which is realizing that that I know that that doesn't work. And so I'm, we moved across country, you know, and environment does help. I will say, you know, first, I think it has to be in alignment. I wanted to live in nature because I feel very connected to just being around nature and just being more being and less doing. That also
2: has to do with your biotype.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And then it's, and then it's just being okay with what is. And knowing that more and doing more is a choice. And if you like to have those experiences and you can, you can work hard for those things and you can do those things to have the experience of them, but they're not necessarily going to bring you any more fulfillment or root knowledge of, you know, I know the purpose of life, you know, and exactly why I'm here. It's just more, I, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful uh, shaman that I talked to in Hawaii, this woman, April Rucker. And she one of the things she said to me that really stuck with me is there is no purpose. You don't have to have a purpose. Your only purpose yes. is your only purpose is to follow your bliss. That's it. And I was like, "Oh, shit. And then it was a little bit of like, "Oh, so now I have the responsibility to follow my bliss. And then it's like, what is it? And then what I realized is it's so simple. It really is. It's not a doing. It's not a doing at all. It's experiencing (laughs) and just being with people and that love and that connection, that soul connection you were talking about, being around the right people, which if, you know, let's go back into biotypes with being around the right people because people clash, right? And there's like, and you're, you're going against maybe what, who would be your good, who would be the right posse for you? You know, and a lot of people feel left out or they're not meeting the right people. They don't have the right connections. So I think there's definitely some great knowledge in that.
2: I actually did a workshop about that last night about like biotypes and relationships. I don't believe that there's such thing as the right people or wrong people. I just think that there's people that get it and and people that are still afraid of the world. Uh And I I always tell like my students, there's no such thing as a bad human being. There's just dangerous masks. Like there's dangerous patterns that people follow because they're afraid. Yeah. But I, I always tell them there's no one waking up in the morning and looking at it. Like, do you remember those Smurfs?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, I always like those Murphs were a huge thing in Latin America. So I always tell, tell people like there is no Garagamel. Like the, the bad guy, that's how we say it in Spanish, but there's the, the bad guy from the Smurfs. Remember when the cartoon was starting that he was looking at himself in the mirror going like this with his hands mm-hmm. and, and saying, I will catch them no matter what, I will catch them. I, I always tell them, there is, there is no gotta come in. No one's waking up and thinking, today is the day that I get that person. Today is the day that I destroy them. Like if there's one thing I've learned through 15 years of a career working with people is that when you think that someone else is against you, I always get to meet that other person at some point, And that person thinks that you are the dangerous one mm. and that they're just reacting to defend themselves from you. That's the only truth about humans. And that completely goes away once you really understand yourself and others. So it's it is about understanding yourself, having compassion for yourself and others. So let's let's go into the biotypes a little bit and. There, there are certain compatibilities, but they actually backfire in horrible ways because of the way we created society today. And believe it or not, this actually has to do with our obsession with equality. Mm. That like this, this, this doesn't only affect men, women, salaries, rights. Uh, I mean, if you don't think that you should get paid uh, the exact same amount of money for the exact same type of work, no matter what you have between your legs, uh, then you don't have a place in this society. It's, it's like you don't deserve to be alive in this world today. But our obsession with equality has made us want to transfer ways of being from people to other people instead of acknowledging and celebrating our differences. So um, I, was, I was explaining that we realized that um, sanguins and melancholics start being the same in their mother's womb, but at some point, we don't know if it's a protein or a hormone, actually favors the stomach or the brain. If they favor favor the brain, so if the the heart protects the brain more, uh, then this person will become a melancholic. But if the heart protects the stomach more, then this human being will become a sanguine. Because they're split at that point, they will become completely different vessels. They will value different things. They will operate completely different. Their health will be different. And and therefore, magically, they will be extremely attracted to each other.
1: You should sit. I wish my twin brother was sitting next to me.
2: Oh, he, he, if, if you're identical twins, which you can't be because you just said brother. But we're completely if people,
1: different. Like, it's yeah. like, wow. you couldn't be more different well, in how we see the world. And how in the different parts of our body that we connect to the world with. It's completely different
2: exactly it is completely different unless they're identical twins like i always recommend that people watch three identical strangers on on amazon oh, yeah Prime. Saw that. yeah it's an amazing movie that actually proves all three of them are sanguine, by the way. And, and it's mind blowing that they, they grew up with separate families with different values, with with different economical backgrounds and and, and 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 like abilities to move around the world or not. And they like the same brands of things, the same type of girls. They went to the, like they they studied the same thing, two of them in the same college. Like it's it really is mind blowing. And we've we've had studies about this for a long time. Like children that are identical, t- with the exact same biotype that grew that were separated at birth and given to different families and adopted by different families and married people that are almost identical have the same jobs and work in the same company just in different countries it's it's mind-blowing um so it's it's like this this eternal battle of nature versus nurture which we finally put to rest in the in the recent years like the scientific consensus of today is when i learned 15 years ago in biotypes, which is where 70% biology and 30% personality. And we've been trying to fix people by only having access to 30% of who they are. And that's why it's powerful, but also extremely limiting. So um, do you want me to like explain the biotypes really quick? Uh, yeah, do it, just like a quick,
1: quick overview, I think would be good. So people can kind of after this go and do more, you know?
2: Perfect. So there are physical traits that are extremely important. You can know people's biotype just by uh, their muscle structure, their bone structure, the shape of their face, the shape of their hands. They're noticeably different. Our feet, our legs, the size of our joints, many things. Um, But if you want to like understand it right off the bat, uh, this is like the cheat sheet that I give people that, that want to start understanding it. First, we have cholerics. Their element is fire because they usually have very fiery personalities. They're impulsive and they explode really easily. Their core is impulse. They're extremely impulsive. They know what they want and they want it fast. They tend to have lighter colors. They're, they tend to be blondish because that's how the, 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 the whole biotype got started in the north of Europe and, and Asia. Um, think of Vikings. And their hands are massive. And what they value in life is the ability to create results. Uh, they only respect other people if they have an ability to create a certain type of result. And if they can't create results, they get depressed. Um, great Even if they CrossFit. have a family that loves them. It's yeah. a
1: great CrossFit personality. <laughs> it,
2: most most CrossFit instructors lifting. are actually, yeah, <laughs> most CrossFit instructors are actually choleric. They're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, if we have a country that's ran by cholerics, they usually want to dominate the world and teach them how it's done because choleric think that, and they don't think it in a bad way. They're not hostile. They're, they're not against anyone. They're just really aggressive about their dreams and where they hide, uh, when things are not going their way is in anger. They, they get angry really quick. Mm-hmm. Then we have sanguins. I'm a sanguine, uh, sanguins, um, we're wide our hips and our shoulders are the same size. Our head is boxy or the palm of our hand is a perfect square. Like there are many physical features. Um, yeah, I, like, when I start talking about hands, everybody looks down on their hands. I love that. I'll tell you about you in a minute. Um, and um sanguines live in action. Uh, we call them we call them air. They're the air biotype. They're here, they're there, they're uncontrollable. They're all over the place. They make people feel extremely loved and present because we live in the moment so much that we completely forget about the universe when we're talking to someone. But then as soon as that conversation is over, we just do the exact same thing with someone else and completely forget about the person that we were talking to, which makes people be confused with us. And, and the, it makes us come across as dumb because we seem to be extremely present and, and like knowledgeable and powerful sometimes and then we completely forget everything we promised mm. that's like the baseline of sanguines. um that's why when people meet me sometimes when they've only listened to my podcast for a few months and then they meet me they go like mm. they never expect a sanguine. they expect a melancholic because it's melancholics that say the wisest things not mm. sanguines. <laughs> um but um Sanguines, their element is air they live in action they rarely read they buy something they don't read the instructions they just start putting it together because they learn through experience Um, what they value the most in life is experience and they want to change experience constantly and you can destroy them or make them the most amazing human being depending on the type of like environments you put them in because they become the environment Mm -hmm. Um, and if they're powerful they want to run the environment and what they value is experience and where they hide when things are not going their way is an excess, excess of whatever experience made them happy in the moment. No matter if that's exercise or drugs or alcohol or sex or or just avoiding life, which is something sanguines are usually amazing at. Uh, to a point to which sanguines feel way less pain than the rest of us because we're not aware of our body as much as other biotypes are that's why i always brag about this i shouldn't but i'm legally disabled and i shouldn't be able to walk and and people always ask me how many stories did you fall from how bad was the crash i'm made of titanium and five levels of my spine mm. and and i didn't have an accident like i just didn't feel the pain for so long that by the time i realized it my half of my spine had exploded And I was still walking around, by the way, when that happened, which is very normal with sanguines. Very normal. Wow. It's normal to go on a hike with a sanguine friend and get home and see them bleeding from their knee and going like, what happened to you? And them just realizing it because you mentioned it and going like, oh, I have no idea because they didn't notice it. That's extremely common. I know why you're looking at him. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) It's, it's just part of our biotype and something that we need to learn to live with. Then we have phlegmatics. This is actually most people in the world. Like probably between 30 and 40% of the world is phlegmatic. Uh, it, it has to do with two things. They, they, we seem to have been very prevalent even before. And I say we, because I come from one of the most phlegmatic countries in the world, Mexico. Uh, but um, we also breed a lot. So <laughs> we have a lot of phlegmatics and something fascinating about this is Mexico is absolutely phlegmatic. The natives in Latin America, most of them were phlegmatic and the Spanish, when they arrived, they, they called the natives in, in Latin America, Indians. And the reason they call them Indians is we look exactly the same as people from India because we're the exact same biotype. And that's why we have this cultural and linguistic confusion about India and Indians, uh, like Now we use Indians for any native in America, which shouldn't be right. Uh, But that's because they have the same biotype and they looked extremely similar. Now, phlegmatics, Uh, most of Latin America, most of South Asia, um, a lot of Africa, uh, important parts of Europe are mainly phlegmatic. Inflammatics have big eyes. They're extremely expressive. Their jaws are usually sharp. Their hands are pretty long. Their fingers are lanky. Uh, They can't really build muscle in an easy way. It's hard for them to build muscle. Uh, We all gather fat differently. Inflammatics gather in a way that they usually don't like because they gather it right under the skin, uh, which makes their body look soft, always, no matter how skinny they are. And what they, they're, the, the element that we use for them is water, because if I, I just told you that sanguins become the environment that they're in. Yeah. Um Phlegmatics become the environment and then they absorb it and then they carry it with them. If you take a sanguine out of an experience and put it in another experience, the sanguine will change. They're like social chameleons. But if you take a phlegmatic from a really dark place into a shiny place, the darkness comes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're still processing it, and and they're processing it for themselves and for others too. We all have phlegmatic friends that we need to be aware of, because b- the best friends in the world are phlegmatics, and the worst, the 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 best uh, the best friends and the best therapists in the world, honestly, are phlegmatics, because they just have this way of of like mixing and blending with other people and really understanding them. The problem is if you're not phlegmatic and you have a phlegmatic friend, you will use your friend as a soundboard, because we all do. Because they listen to you and we feel like they really get us. And, and then what happens is if, if you are a sanguine, you'll bounce off the topic as soon as the call is over. And you might just send your friend on a tailspin that they're going to be on for a week because they actually absorb things from everyone else. Mm-hmm. So their water, uh, their they're water. They're like the emotion. natural
1: empath. They're literally they're, mm-hmm.
2: they're literally that like that term was coined for phlegmatics mm-hmm. they're, they're the therapists that god sent us that when phlegmatics get in a truck uh, like not a truck like in a bus the person besides them will tell them their life story even if the phlegmatic wasn't trying to make them speak you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> and um you guys are actually like my wife and me which is funny but i'll we'll get into that in a minute and um phlegmatics value then because of their emotions and who they are they value relationships and they care about relationships way more than anything else they're the opposite of cholerics and this is why countries that i ran that are run by phlegmatics are extremely corrupt not because they're corrupt and thinking of themselves but because they're trying to help everyone and they don't care about breaking the rules uh like i need to support these people in fact i'm watching a new show right now and i'm loving it because the biotypes are perfect in it when a show is successful it's usually because the biotypes are mm. well casted and then people just love the characters and i don't know if you've ever watched this show called new amsterdam
1: i've heard of it but i haven't watched it i'll write it down to oh, now, check out
2: now you need to watch it because the guy running the hospital mm. is a phlegmatic and and they they nailed it like Mm. both the way they they write the character and the and the, the the actor they picked for it is is a phlegmatic and that's why it makes sense he does all these crazy things like running the hospital down because he really wants to help everyone the show makes sense because that's what a phlegmatic would do if you put them in charge of an important hospital in new york that's exactly what would happen in that exact way and and he would be reckless about all the things that he's reckless about so and he wouldn't take care of himself that's true about phlegmatics i don't know who writes that show be a student of mine or or one of my teachers (laughs) because it just it's just perfectly written oh i know Uh, it's making me think of that
1: guy charlie on instagram yes yeah he's totally a phlegmatic like the way that he takes care of everyone and he just ended up in the hospital because he just does not take care of himself it's just like and he's he's so selfless so selfless but it's like there's imbalance right with these things you when you know yourself then you can have a very balanced, healthy relationship to what your type is.
2: That is correct. Yeah. Now, the, the, where, where phlegmatics hide when things are not going their way is in sadness and depression. And, and it's, it's actually an emotional clinical depression, what they can get to. And they love eating what they shouldn't. Phlegmatics shouldn't eat carbs, dairy, or sugar, or anything (laughs) processed for that matter. But they can eat all the meat they want, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And many of them want to become vegan because they see that it works for melancholics. It doesn't work for phlegmatics. Phlegmatics can eat spice and meat all they want. Like, I think I've only seen one person in my life with gout being phlegmatic. Like, it just doesn't happen. And then finally, we have melancholics. Melancholics have become the most fashionable biotype because we decided that beauty standards had to do with melancholics and that destroyed the self-perception of anyone who's not a melancholic Mm. because our bodies cannot look like that. I even have a meme that I always make fun of, which is a rhinoceros on a treadmill looking at a unicorn thinking someday (laughs) that's a sanguine trying to look like a melancholic. It will (laughs) never happen. Never. They just fall in love with your rhino self. Um, Melancholics are usually extremely skinny, they can't gain weight in their youth, uh, because they gather fat intraviscerally, so you can't see it until it pops out in the belly, that's why they're really skinny and they only get a belly. Um, Like, we know so many physical things about them, but we we call them, their element is earth. Uh, and their symbol is Earth, too. And we call them Earth because their, their feet need to be firmly on the ground all the time. They, they don't like to dream. They want facts. They want things to add up. And they're the biotype with the largest internal life. Uh, like they're the most internal biotype in the same way sanguins are the most external biotype uh, melancholics are the most internal they they have an amount of meaning yeah. and, and knowledge about the world and, and just ideas about themselves and life and why people are the way they are and they they harvest it for so long that by the time they want to articulate it to someone else and portray it to someone else no one gets it so they just become shy and go into their own world but they're really artistic M- most of the Singers, painters, writers in the world are actually melancholic. That's also why most of the scientists in the world are melancholic. And this is also why we have a, a very specific stereotype of uh, artists and scientists being completely alone and separate from the world. Because that's true about the biotype that chooses those career paths
0: the most.
1: It's that's Coachman. why it has
0: become a stereotype.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that what you were thinking of?
0: I was thinking Mark
1: but two of them yeah. they're best friends <laughs> they get each even other in like,
2: <laughs> even in like the cartoons like the, the reason they drew in rick and morty they drew rick as a, an extremely skinny man and people like it is because that's how an angry melancholic would look and act like and never really explain why they know what they know because they've tried and no one gets it so why even try The difference is that clerics think that everybody's stupid uh, and that's why they don't understand them. Melancholics are a little bit more respectful and they just think every world, every head is a different world. Mm -hmm. Why even try to share it? You'll never be able to understand it. Mm -hmm. What they value is intellectual certainty. We call them the I intellect. Their core is intellectual. What they value is intellectual certainty and where they hide um, if things are not going their ways in fear, which again makes total sense because... If you're going through everything that can go wrong, always going in your head over and over and over and second guessing yourself all the time, of course, you're creating fear and living within it if you don't understand how you work. Mm. Those are the four cores of biotypes.
1: I know the listeners are like... "Hmm." Hmm, what am I? <laughs> who's, my, who's my partner? Who are my friends? It's awesome. <laughs> well, it,
2: the easiest way to know is you, they can follow me on Instagram on, at RGP Development, or they can go to rgpdevelopment.com and just sign up for the next intro to Biotypes, which is like the kindergarten. It's an information based training. I do a lot of transformation work uh, based uh, t- trainings where like we actually. Go through certain things, and we coach them, and we support them, and they take risks, and and we call it balancing your biotype, which is using your personality to balance who you are while embracing embracing your actual superpower and biotype, and and that's where life starts making sense, like because you you finally understand other people's experiences, and you stop judging yours.
1: Yes, and you don't internalize and make projections onto others for why things aren't going the way that you you know, think they should, because that's that person being their authentic self. And then it's about you stepping into your authentic power and knowing what that is. And I think that's like, that's, you know, answering the question for a lot of people that they, that's the burning question all the time is like, how do I share and, and be in my essence and be doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing here?
2: That's That's the million dollar
1: question for people.
2: And and you, you can answer it yourself in a minute when you realize that we've had the answer forever. We've been living have, do, be, but that's the answer just all the way around. Life is be, do, have.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: once you understand exactly who you are, what you do is not a definition of who you are. You already know who you are. Just your You're essence. Exactly. You're in peace and compassion with your bliss, your bliss, your biotype, who you are. And as Bass Lerman says, the most interesting people I know have no idea what their purpose is, even at 60. They're still figuring it out, but they know who they are. Mm, Mm
1: -hmm. I love that so much. Oh, we're ending on such a good note. But before we do, the listeners must know, no, we must know what is Mackie's biotype and what is my biotype?
2: I already know, but just (laughs) just in case, can I see your hands?
1: You go first.
2: Yeah. I was right. Okay. You're exactly like my wife and me. Exactly nice. like my wife and me. Just with different personalities. Am I a phlegmatic but the phlegmatic fake same fire. Biotype. Yes,
1: you yeah. are. Yeah. I uh, I figured. You're an
2: absolute phlegmatic <laughs> fake fire. I told you that this um, morning. Yeah. <laughs> And, and he's sanguine. Yeah. You're sanguine, my friend, my, my sanguine brother. But there's, there's a distinction here. What I did with biotypes, just to like finish explaining this really, really quick is what I did with biotypes is I found the connection between why a biotype would create a certain type of personality. Biotypes and Unani medicine don't explain why people become the way they become. They just wanted to understand the nature and how to treat them uh but when i brought it into psychology and this is like my my breakthrough that i'm extremely proud of um the reason i can predict what people went through and how their relationships work was when i when i found the connection and why a specific biotype would start acting like another one
0: Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: so when a sanguine is a baseline sanguine that's a promoting sanguine and i know the type of relationships that this person needed to have with their mom, their dad, and their childhood in order to stay a promoting sanguine. If you're not a promoting sanguine, then I can pretty much predict the type of things that you went through that pushed you in the the direction of other personalities and make you act in a different way, like my, my supporting sanguine right there. For you to be a supporting sanguine, my friend, it had a lot to do with how important women were, were in your life growing up and mm-hmm. and what you saw men doing and who you thought men mm-hmm. were and how you started valuing relationships more like a phlegmatic instead of being a pure sanguine. And that's why you chose an extremely powerful fake fire. Uh, but. <laughs> Do you want me to go deeper? Yeah, <laughs> I love it.
1: I have 15 minutes. Whatever time you have left, go for it.
2: <laughs> Perfect. That, I, I have like 10, so okay. we can do it. Um, so um, this is actually the reason why you, you have a compatibility that works for now, but, that, but there's a couple of things that you two need to be extremely aware of. And because you're a supporting Sanguine, you don't really use all of your power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use your power more to hold her up and, and make sure that she's creating certain things and she's creating certain goals and she's safe while she's doing it. Um, but um, at some point, that will start creating resentment.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so I mean, you're spot on with this because, we you know, we've done a lot of personal development work on ourselves and continue to do so because we want this to work. Obviously, you know, we've been together almost 11 years and married almost four. And But we we openly talk about this, that this resentment that will is inevitable because as I continue to step into my power and then also go more into my feminine essence, which is what I'm being called into, which is to kind of like take that fucking mask off I've been wearing of I need to be like super masculine and doing and just be more in my like free flowing feminine goddess place as I'm (laughs) doing that. It's also like wanting the partner to step up into being more of the action yes. and like taking care of me in a different way. Like the trust that comes with the really with the masculine energy that would be a sanguine, like the like at the core, the core essence of that. The
2: problem the problem is that everything you're saying is correct. Uh, but I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Everything you're saying is correct. And you have a lot of the right answers. And you obviously have worked on yourself a lot. The problem is that they never really teach us the dynamic that we need mm. to have as a couple for that to happen mm. without hurting each other. Yeah. And to, to give you a little example, um, I was only attracted for, to, to melancholics for the longest time. Because as a sanguine, I thought they were the most amazing thing in the world and it never worked. It never worked. And it ended badly. Like most people that fall in love with their opposite biotype. This whole idea of my better half and you complete me is because of biotypes and looking for the opposite. Um, You're looking for your long lost part that you lost when your heart started favoring one side of you and completely abandoned the other one. Um, But... um, what you're talking about like with you specifically going into your feminine we call that dropping into your water and it's it's hard for fake fires to do that because actually dropping into your feminine means a lot of trust and it means a lot of trust in yourself but it also it also means divorcing your expectations about how masculinity and being cared for looks like because you're extremely hard to care for that's why you got to find you had to find a like a quiet sanguine that has a sanguine power but not the sanguine loudness mm. uh, because that wouldn't have been compatible with you before and this is something i realized when i met my wife i knew i knew i actually teach workshops where people walk out of the workshop with an actual list of the elements that another human being needs to have to be compatible with them and and when I met my wife, the first thing I said is I'm going to marry you. And, and as you're like, you're yeah, right, you Mexico city sweet talker. But, but not because I fell in love with her dramatically in that moment, but because I knew exactly what I was looking for. But I also knew the challenge that it would be like, she was an extremely powerful fake fire who thought that people were unreliable breaking. That was not easy. <laughs> and this is actually way more your job, my sanguine friend than her job, right? Because w- we need to break them. Um, <laughs> Yeah.
1: Break me. It
2: sounds horrible. It sounds horrible, but, but it's actually the most beautiful process. And it happened like this with me. I had to be extremely feisty with my fake fire to prove to her that I was stronger than her Mm. and that I didn't need her. Uh, but I was choosing her because I thought she was amazing. And, and I remember the day, like specifically the day in which, uh, I arrived home. She used to live, we met in Spain, but she's from Northern Mexico. and she used to come visit me to Mexico city constantly because I work on the weekends. It was kind of hard. She was, she was in the stock market. She's an engineer. Uh, like she, she made more money than me most of the time and and I'm pretty well off. So like she was extremely successful. And one day she came home and I was teaching a seminar for 12 hours. I came back to my apartment and she had created this whole thing for me and, uh, no one had ever cared for me in that way and I just burst into tears. And she had a full meal. Uh, People were coming over that I love. Uh, uh, There was no special thing going on, it was just us. Uh, And then at the end of the event, uh, I, I was with her and I said, I knew someone like you existed potentially, but I wasn't sure, like, I I didn't know that this could happen. I didn't know someone could be as, as, as feisty, powerful, and smart as you are. And at the same time, the most feminine, softest space I've ever experienced in my life. And then she started crying. And mm. she said, yeah, I didn't know I could be like this either. I've never been like this with anyone. Like, I don't even know how this started. But just the way you treat me kind of allowed me to be like this. And only until I proved to her that I was strong enough and she, and she fought back for months, she fought back until she finally surrendered and allowed me to take care of her. And, and until she realized that I was never going to take care of her the way her fake fiery mind wanted me to take care of her. And I'm a strong sanguine man. I I'm, I'm relentless and sanguines are really stubborn. So, um, I, until I broke through that, I was like, okay, this is this is a place where we can create a beautiful marriage and a beautiful relationship." And now she's a CEO of RGP Development in Latin America. And and I'm just the talent, but we have (laughs) our roles in like an, an extremely specific way. And she's the best mother in the universe. Like we, our baby just turned nine months old and I cry every time I see them. And, and then I can be the dad. Like I could stop being the feminine and the masculine side because now we know how to polarize, how to, how each and every one of us like stands with each other, but we had to balance ourselves together. Like I mm-hmm. had to become a smart sanguine while she became a feminine fake fire. And then everything made sense.
1: It's literally what we're doing.
2: Yeah. We're doing uh-huh. that right I now. I know. Yeah, that, That's why <laughs> yes. I'm sharing this because um, I know, I know you're on the same journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Almost 11 years. And it's like, okay. Especially in the last year, we were just so busy before to really have that experience to say, all right, we're going to step into this now. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's funny you, you say right? that because the other day I was like, I'm thinking I'm gonna take him on a surprise. I'm just gonna buy the blank plane tickets, like the whole thing, like exactly what your <laughs> wife, like that whole kind of just give you, you know. And I do. That is. That's what I. I love that because you're worth it. Because you deserve it. Because you treat me like a queen. So you know.
2: Do you want me to tell you like a little trick of how to know if 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 what you're doing is actually working? Sure. Let's hear it. He always acts like he knows how to react and he's really good at, at like pushing certain things down mm-hmm. and just being present. When you see him completely off base, not knowing how to react because of what you're offering him, then you're, you're in the mm-hmm. right
1: man. Mm, beautiful. I love it. Ah, oh, okay. So we're going to take the intro course.
2: Yeah. We're signing up.
1: that's. You're, you're
2: going to be amazing. if you're the type of people I want in this.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. And I'm so excited to hear what the listeners think, and I'm sure that they'll probably be doing some courses too. We've got a lot of coaches and practitioners that listen to this podcast, so this is awesome.
2: If you're a coach or a practitioner, this is literally taking your practice on steroids. Like this is this is having a new level of certainty about what you know, what you're doing, and who people are. Mm -hmm. It makes our job way easier. It does
1: make the job easier. That's why I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do this because having that certainty faster like you said you know there are certain things i'm i'm doing now that are helpful but you know it could always be better could always learn more
2: i promise it won't hurt
1: (laughs) well thank you so much thank you so much it was a pleasure to meet you have a good rest of your day
0: thank
2: you so much for inviting me this was really fun
1: yeah i'll
2: see you very soon